Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show that is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. You know we bring you great content every week, either through guests that we have on, solo shows that I've done, or other content that we publish. And today is a special episode. I'm going to let you hear a recording of a recent call that we did in the Talent Development Think Tank community that was all about helping your company turn your leaders into talent magnets. And really specifically, this was about the leader's role in attracting and retaining talent. Now, the call was led by my friend Travis Dahmert, who has been on this podcast in the past. In fact, if you are a longtime listener, you might remember that Travis was our guest back on episode 142, which came out in January of 2020. So it has been quite a while. And Travis flew out to California right after that for the first ever Talent Development Think Tank conference that we held in January of 2020. We've been friends ever since then. He changed roles after that and eventually took on a role running talent development at a company called One Digital, where he is currently the SVP of talent. And One Digital is a company that brings together insurance, financial services, and HR consulting to help over 100,000 businesses. They have about 2,400 employees based out of the Atlanta area. And Travis has done some pretty innovative and cool things there, transforming the culture and helping to turn leaders into talent magnets and really leveraging leadership and leaders in the company to attract and retain talent, which is what this conversation and presentation is about. Now, I asked Travis if he would come present 
to our community to talk about some of the work that they've done. And he came with a presentation. So what you're going to hear in this recording, this conversation is mostly the presentation that Travis gave. Obviously, there was a group there and some chat going on. So there are some questions and comments coming in over the chat uh, that he's responding to. But a lot of it is being driven by Travis. And you won't be able to see the slides that he's presenting. (laughs) But I think he explains most of it pretty well. And so well, in fact, that I thought it would be a good idea to publish this here on the podcast because I knew more people could really benefit from learning from Travis. You know, we are in a world that is essentially still having the war for talent is ongoing, right? This has been going on for several years, but really was hyped up a little bit before the pandemic and really a lot after the pandemic. Last Starting last year in 2021, we started entering what many people call the great resignation or the great reset, great reshuffle, whatever you want to call it, right? Unemployment is still near an all-time low. Companies are having a hard time recruiting great talent and hard time retaining great talent because people are leaving more often in some companies, in some industries. Some are not experiencing this as much. And what Travis identified is that, yes, you need your you know, talent acquisition team to do a great job. You need to create a great culture and benefits and all that sort of stuff. But really, it's the leaders, it's the managers in your company that can play a huge role in attracting and retaining the best talent. And they can do that a few different ways, obviously through great leadership and engaging their people. But in this presentation, Travis also talked about the importance of leaders building and leveraging a personal brand. He talked about them doing outreach to attract new talent and some other things that I think you will benefit from listening to. So check this out. And by the way, this call again was part of the talent development think tank community that I run. That community has been going since June of 2020. We launched it after the pandemic started, after we hosted our first conference in January of 2020. And then once the pandemic hit, I knew that, hey, we weren't going to be having any conferences anymore for a while. So I wanted to create a way for people to stay connected in talent development during that time. And it has continued to grow since then. We have a call every Wednesday, much like the one that you're going to hear today, with many more great calls coming up in the future. So I hope you enjoy this. Travis always seems to blow people away with his knowledge and experience. So I hope that comes across in this episode. We'll probably have him on again in the future because he is so knowledgeable about so many topics. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with Travis Domert, who is SVP of Talent at One Digital on our most recent Talent Development Think Tank community call. Enjoy. Welcome to our Talent Development Think Tank community call for Wednesday, August 10th. 2022. Really excited about this one. We've got a great speaker and topic that I know many people are interested in. Most of you who've been around for a while already know this guy, Travis Dahmert. I connected with Travis about two and a half years ago, and he came to our first Talent Development Think Tank conference that was in January 2020 on like a last minute whim job changes. And I was like, hey, get out here to the conference like four days before. And he like booked a flight from Atlanta and came out to Sonoma for our conference, which was awesome. So we got to meet in person. Larry was also there. Nora was there. Sunita was there as well, right? So we have a few people on. Amanita was there. A few people on that was at that first conference. And Travis has changed up since then. He's now running talent development, SVP of talent at One Digital in Atlanta. And I know all of you have always been, he always has really great insights to share, just tons of research and things that he does and experiences. So I was excited to get him back to lead a call. And today, I believe we're talking about leadership and particularly how the role leaders play, right? And in, in creating a great culture and attracting and retaining 
the best people. Maybe you can fill in the gaps there and 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 uh, go ahead and take it away, Travis. All right, Andy, thank you. Yeah, that first event was awesome. And I miss not getting to the next one in Orlando, but yeah, didn't really expect to go back into a corporate job. Had uh, met Andy, got inspired actually at that first event through Andy, the other speakers, Josh Burson, people talking about, you know, really taking your career to the next level. I left there, started a consultancy focused on helping leaders build high-performing teams and went right into the jaws of COVID within 30 days, lost all of the prospects I had and thought, hmm, maybe, maybe a job is a good idea for the next season of my life. And I have been so fortunate. I, I just couldn't have been happier to meet One Digital. And for me, it was really interesting. It was a company that was pitched to me by an executive recruiter who very effectively said, you definitely don't have to take this job. I understand that you don't want this job, but you need to meet these people. You you need to meet the chief people officer. Just take my word for it. If you get to meet the CEO, even better, you've got to meet the chief people officer. She's going to be like nobody you know. She's not from HR. She is from marketing. She moved over to take over culture and create people and culture. And this company is a rocket ship. And he was so right. So I went there just to make a friend. And I, it was great timing and I did make a friend, but wow, really sold me on a really strong people first culture. And it was a little bit of an insight into what I'm going to talk about today. So let me share. And so what I want to talk about is how do we turn leaders into talent magnets? And this is, you know, developing leaders is core to learning and development. In fact, I mean, leadership development has been around as long as we've had probably leaders, but an interesting finding is that the number one issue on the minds of CEOs today is not something L&D is traditionally super involved in, and that is attracting talent. Talent acquisition is something that, um, you know, I think it's always been important. It really went through a wild swing as we went through COVID and the Great Resignation. But the interesting thing is that people referring to the Great Resignation as a great anything is are really doing it a little bit of an injustice because it makes it sound like it's such a big deal, but even the Great Recession, even the Great Depression lasted less than 10 years. The Great Resignation is like the tip of an iceberg that is potentially going to span generations. You know, we're looking at a 50-year labor shortage. And so really getting good at attracting talent is going to be a key to survival. And we see right now it's already made it up the list. This is a little blurry. It's a snapshot from a conference board study. But here's the key takeaway. No matter where you are in the world, attracting and retaining talent is the number one CEO priority. And it just hasn't been that way for, for very long. Yes, we should say maybe it should have been, but it's there now. And when we think about talent acquisition, what we're typically talking about is kind of an HR problem or an HR puzzle. You know, typically you're pulling in your recruiters, you're talking about what is our benefits package? Are we compensating appropriately? If you're really progressive, you're having marketing at the table saying, how do we better articulate our employee value proposition? But not very often are we saying, how does leadership development tie into attracting talent? And I just want to make the suggestion today that it, it is a huge deal. It's a central part of this. And it's I think it's a set of competencies that most leaders don't have and maybe don't even know that they should. So I want to start first by baselining, what are we focused on when it comes to leadership development? I'd love to use the chat, if you would, to do this quick little exercise, and that is to look over this list or think top of mind, 
And Shadian, what are the top three things that your company is focused on when it comes to developing their leaders? Pull up the chat so I can see y'all. And if it's something other than what's on this list, by all means, add it. This is this is great intel for us to share with each other as well. Conflict, communication, performance management, communication, EQ, self-awareness, awesome. Already some themes emerging. Employee engagement, performance management, strategic planning, comms, project management, performance, change, change. Change and communications are showing up very high in the list. DIMB, leading hybrid environment, very, very timely. And then seeing some traditional things in there, you know, a core to developing a leader is starting with their self-awareness. We'd say that humility, self-awareness, emotional intelligence are typically like the, that's the killer app, you know, is, are they aware of what it's like to be on the other side of them? I'm not seeing a lot of people in there talking about talent acquisition. And so what does that look like? Where does it fit? I appreciate y'all sharing. This is the, the kind of mixed two, two core premises that I'm trying to share with a lot of our leaders that this really matters to the company. Number one is the single biggest risk in the war for talent is bad manager. And I think we all know that. And that's why we develop our leaders, or at least one of the reasons. We say that people don't leave companies, they leave managers. So we need to make sure our managers don't suck. Gallup is, is pretty kind and gracious. They're like, you don't have to be God's gift to, to leadership development. You just need to not be a bad boss. People leave bad bosses. The new thing though, is that the single most powerful weapon in the war for talent is an attractive manager. And that's the thing that I think some people are missing is they're thinking when they need to add people to their teams, that is finally a job I can outsource. I can just, I can hand that off. You know, yes, I, maybe I'll participate in creating the job description, but somebody else is going to find the talent. Somebody else is going to screen the talent. I just need to pick the one I like, the one that's going to add the most to my team. And I would say that is a huge miss. So as we think about this, it gets even worse if you're focused on top talent. And so if you're trying to bring, uh, bring top high achieving people into your company, I go back, this is a pretty dated study. It was published in HBR, Frederick Hertzberg. Uh, he did a study of studies. He looked across all these different engagement studies and said, very interesting observation. Things that drive extreme job satisfaction are different than the things that drive extreme job dissatisfaction. That was one of the key takeaways is if you want to retain people, you can't just fix the things that are broken. You have to create the things that are right and vice versa. I can't just have you love your job and then pay you poorly, give you a bad boss or put you in a, a dump of a, a facility with, with horrible policies. It, it is like putting a carrot in front of the horse while you leave a burr in their saddle. We have to do both. But when you're really trying to bring in top talent, the interesting thing is they're most likely highly satisfied with their job. So what we're talking about, high achieving people are the most likely to be extremely satisfied and extremely satisfied people are not looking for a job. Therefore, they're the least likely to respond to recruiters. So how do we get these people? And again, I would argue that the key thing is leverage our managers, leverage our leaders. Just as we say leaders leave bad managers, well, it's interesting, Forbes says people buy people, not companies. And so if we look online and we think about how do we attract talent to our company, the bait is your leaders, not necessarily your brand. And this is really important for smaller companies that are competing for talent with companies that have much bigger brands. And so if I take a look at a top example that's mentioned in this Forbes article is Richard Branson and look at the social engagement around him as a person versus his brands. This was a, a post he just did a couple of days ago and it's him doing a workout. The engagement with this post is crazy. 
5,000 likes, 43 shares. I'd say the most important metric is how many didn't just click. They actually got their hands on the keyboard. They associated their own name and their own thoughts with this post. And it was almost 200 people engaged with the post. Then I looked at what's the most recent post from his brand. Had 14 likes, had no shares, and had no comments. And so the article was saying, on average, a person will get about 10 times the engagement of their company. And so how do we leverage our people as brands? And the interesting thing, and you all probably know this because you're building your own brands, it's helpful for the leader too. I mean, the process of them developing a brand is actually incredible growth in their self-awareness. It's helping them live on purpose because they have to think about what is my brand? Now, I was curious if this is just a Richard Branson thing. So I looked at our own company and I pulled up our CEO. Adam is one of the most exceptional CEOs I've ever met, but I just wasn't sure. He's not super engaged on, on LinkedIn. I saw that his most recent post was a share of my boss, Elizabeth Crane. Uh, we call her E. She's our chief people officer. It was highly engaging. It's not quite Richard Branson, but we had like 200 likes, nine shares, 25 comments, and then looked at the most recent post from our company. And it was a share of something put out a little while back. It's a great topic. It's awesome leaders. We were really sharing some of our people brands, but it was shared by the company, 26 likes, 14 shares, and most importantly, zero comments. Nobody is associating their own brand with this post. And I would say we have a very, very active social channel for our content, but see, you see this like almost 10 X difference show up in the engagement with the likes. Most importantly, I would say is looking at the comments. So this is something we need to teach our leaders. They are extremely powerful if, if they are going to become the magnet to draw talent to the company. Now, the other thing that we had to do and, and did this at a recent event for our company was build a business case for it. You're not just going to take my word for it. It is a change of behavior. So is this good business for you to do this? And said, how important is recruiting success to the business? And so here's another chance to just maybe hop into the chat. How does success at recruiting positively impact your company's business results? What are some things that would benefit from success in recruiting? Give me a second to think about it. And conversely, you can think about what happens if we can't recruit? How does it hurt the business? Yep, you need, you need talent if you want to get results. So you're, you're likely to get better productivity. It's, it's um, bringing the right skills into the company. Here are a few key business results that we talked about with our leaders. And we tied recruiting success directly to sales growth. We had a pretty ambitious plan this year to go out and hire 100 of the top producing salespeople in the country in our industry. We told every leader, you need to know every producer in your city, who's the best, and then build a plan to bring them into the company. If we're going to grow sales and continue to, to grow at 30% a year, we've got to continue to bring new talent into the company. Then it creates a different challenge. Okay, so now we have brought in new sales capacity. Can we deliver? So you've got to have new talent coming in to support that growth, to deliver great client satisfaction, retain the business. And then also we believe it drives employee engagement and, and turnover. If people are under-supported, their teams are not stocked with great talent, or you're having them run lean, understaffed, maybe to try to save some money, or because you simply cannot get people to join the team, we begin to burn them out. So really, really strong business case around we've got to be successful at bringing talent into the company, then flipped it over and said, okay, now why is this your job? What is the opportunity if you're a leader to be more involved 
And here we just walked systematically through how leaders' involvement drives speed, quality, satisfaction, and overall success rates. We showed that if a leader is involved early and they help define a clear scorecard for the search, get involved in organizing and, and building out the interview guide if there isn't one, meeting with the candidates on the front end instead of waiting till the end, you attract better talent. The best talent is not looking for a job. So I've got to have something attractive. We've got an executive search going on right now. The first person you meet with is our chief operating officer. The very first person, he's doing the phone screens. And if he likes you, you talk to the CEO. You talk to HR, talent, operational leadership, all at the end. And that's to make sure that, okay, well, let's let's do evaluate the skills and competencies. Let's make sure this person is a is going to be a culture ad. But we can't put the we can't put the talent or the the uh, the magnet at the end. We need to put them at the front end if we're going to draw in top talent. So with the business case, with some anecdotal evidence, we realized okay, now we actually need to show people what to do. It's still theoretical. So we talked through four competencies. I would love to hear at the end too if you have additional things that you're doing to help develop your your leaders into talent magnets. But one is we said you need a brand, and let's help you develop your personal brand in really simple steps. We need to understand that talent marketing is marketing and make sure that everybody realizes you're part of talent marketing. We also need to educate our teams on how to select top talent and understanding that top talent has different expectations. It's a high bar and they've got to have a great experience. They're actually attracted to rigor. So we actually need to figure out this little, this little dating dance of being highly attractive, then hard to get, then <laughs> make the proposal, but how to navigate that effectively. And then finally, is if you've got nothing else out of this, we need to make sure you're really good at creating development plans because the number one thing people are looking for is opportunities to grow. And they don't want to come in and hear about growth opportunities. They want to come in and see them. And therefore, I want you to know how to develop a development plan and make sure you have one. I said, every single leader in our company needs to have a development plan. Yes, it's awesome if you do that with your team but you need to have one too. And, and that was a wake up call. In fact, I had many leaders save all of this. That was the one thing I'd never thought of is I'm always trying to encourage my people to take courses or grow or read books or do stretch assignments or provide some coaching feedback, but I'm not doing it for myself. So as we dived into this, I was just going to touch for a couple of minutes, um, Andy, on particularly personal branding, because I think that was the one that we realized is both like 30,000 feet. Sometimes you know, people get totally stuck. They can't get started. And then a couple of things just on the ground, like what could you do today? What could you do for free in 15 minutes to improve your brand? Before I move forward, I, I just noticed out of the corner of my eye too, some of the chat is blowing up. Andy, anything there that uh, you see needs a little discussion before we dive in further? I think Sabina asked a good question here. I, you know, I also talk a lot about personal brand, chapter of my book about it, it's in my keynotes, et cetera. I, I obviously agree it's important, but Sabina asks, you know, how do you handle leaders who resist that and, and essentially say like, I just need to, to do the work. I don't really want to put myself out there and, and build a brand. Yeah. I, I, that's where, when we focus on personal branding, I really start with what's in it for you. Mm -hmm. The company's going to benefit. You're going to benefit more. And so start by figuring out your brand and then you can decide if you want to share it. But the brand, just like, you know, good marketing is not advertising. It's figuring out all the P's you know, is what is your product? What is your positioning? You know, what is your value prop? Is I'm encouraging people in, in their personal branding work to figure out their value proposition, even if it's just for themselves. 
So what I find is once they actually get clear, it's so compelling, it's exciting. They're more likely to share it. When I talk about sharing in the beginning, that's the other thing. When I get down to like the really simple tactics, which I'll show, the other thing is some people just don't know what to do and they don't know what to say. So mm -hmm. they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to look bad. And so we provide just a couple of simple suggestions. But I do think that's a really good point. Now, you have other people, maybe they've had a life experience that did not go well with being public. And it's very possible you have some people who say, this is just not for me. That's okay. But it's a huge opportunity for those that want to do it. And again, I would say a lot of the benefit comes to them, accrues to them over time, whether they actually end up sharing it or not. The other thing I was thinking about, Travis, is from an organizational standpoint, I, I think organizations have changed. We've seen a big shift in, in transformation over the last few years, but I'm sure there's still some old school thinking out there where some companies may resist this and say, I don't want my people spending a bunch of time posting stuff on social media, building a brand when they need to be getting to work. And, and if they do, you know, what if my my star employee, Jess Omley, starts writing articles on LinkedIn and then everybody wants to hire her and then I, I lose my best person? Like, why would I want her to do that? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing we'll talk about is, uh, you know, it, and this is kind of trite, but you can develop your people and risk that they leave or not develop them and risk that they stay. Mm. And ultimately, helping somebody figure themselves out is huge in driving engagement. So part of the book, The Leadership Challenge, Kutzes and Posner, they, they actually measured this and they said, when someone is clear on their values, it drives engagement and commitment to the organization. It's actually paradoxical, it's almost surprising, but if they're clear on the organization's values and not clear on their own, their engagement is lower than if they were not clear on either one. If they get clear on their own values, you get about a 25% bump in their commitment to their organization. And then if they're clear on both their values and the organization, you get a couple more percentage jump. So ultimately, it's, it is still important to say, again, not just hopefully this works out, hopefully they don't leave, is actually helping people get clear on who they are drives their commitment to their organization. So that's one of the reasons actually we've changed onboarding. And we talked about this, I think, a little bit last week is helping people get clear on who they are is more important, especially as they come into a job, than helping them get clear on who you are. So let's talk about this a little bit. When it comes to personal brand, we have a pretty extensive workshop we do here. I was just going to mention a couple of things and boil it down to a couple of pages. But it's starting with the with them. It's saying, forget about this job. Let's fast forward at the end of your life and see what are the regrets of the dying. I don't want this to happen to you. But the number one regret of people on their deathbed is that they wish they'd had the courage to live a life true to themselves, not what was expected of them. Part of you figuring out your brand is beginning to live and work on purpose. This really is ultimately accruing a benefit to you, not just the organization. So as we get into what does it mean? Then you go through a little marketing. You don't talk about clarity, consistency, and constancy. Elements of a brand. One, we got to be able to articulate it. We have to say what it is and what it's not. Two is figuring out what can you keep up with? And Andy, to your point, so I'm like, just don't have the time to think about building a, becoming a social maven. Okay, do you have two minutes a week? I mean, what time could you make for this if it was important? Five minutes, 15 minutes. If you took an hour, you're taking vastly more than most. And then the constancy is saying over time, you know, is, is your brand really happening in a consistent way wherever I look, but over time, the most powerful thing is in my experience, focusing on clarity. 
So for about five years, I worked with sales and leadership teams trying to build these high-performing teams, found the number one thing they had to figure out is who they were and why this job mattered. Why does high-performance matter? Is it just to make money? If it is, it's, it's too hard. You're not going to sustain a really long, hard climb for money. It's figuring out who you are. And so we spelled that out in some really simple ways. This one is, what are your talents? You know, what are the things that you're uniquely good at and enjoy? And a whole different topic is how do you develop talents, but, but at least understanding, like, there's some things unique about you. What do you value most? Again, something unique about you, probably a function of how you've been treated or some of the life experiences that you've had. And so helping people unpack typically the things they might be most ashamed of have driven their values, has had a huge impact on their identity, makes them real. And then finally, it drives who they are passionate for and about. If there is not another person at the center of their purpose, this will be a very shallow exercise. So is figuring out who you are and then who are you for? You've got to have another. And when that gets at the center of your brand, your brand starts to become very powerful. You become much more attractive. And so it ends up looking something like just some simple little statements. You know, what are my, what are the talents or insights that I love using? Who is it that I help? And what are the benefits that accrue to them? So, you know, I like helping very busy professionals experience more joy, success, and significance in the workplace. That's kind of my core brand, helping people figure out what theirs is. I mean, this is life-changing. You will typically have tears as you work through an exercise like this. And I, I think it's not surprising they become more connected to their peers, more connected to the company because you help them get clearer on who they are. And if you've been through this, you know it's hard, but most people haven't. And frankly, most people never will. So you're doing a huge favor to them just to figure out what's special about them. And then you challenge them. Are you using that? And again, if they've got a message and are you using it? Is it something you could write about even once a month? Like just get started. All right. Any questions about that before we move on? I was going to say, I've got a whole like brand plan. I borrowed this from a course online. So this is not mine, but it's one I suggest to people is if they're really uncertain, think about doing a 360 survey, ask other people what they perceive to be the number you know, one or the top three words that come to mind when they hear your name, choose a, a little element of your best self and just start working on developing a short message and a little bit of a visual identity. You can equip them with things, you know, like basic elements of of branding, you know, all this stuff is free and available, but they're going to need a color. They're going to need a font. They're going to need some, some imagery and then lead them to a simple exercise. And this was the one we did with our leaders. We said, there's four things I'm going to ask that you do this week. None of them will take you more than two minutes, except thinking about what to say. We provided them with a professional headshot. So we had somebody at our event, took all their pictures, said, you need a professional headshot, dramatically improves uh, response to your brand. Think about a branded background. We provided a handful of them, but just gave some simple guidance, really digging in. This is the part that does take longer than two minutes, but it's trying to say, again, what is something you're passionate about? Use the L word. It's extremely attractive to know that you love something, not that you are a developmental strategist for optimizing talent in the workforce of the future. It's like, what? I love helping people achieve something. Who are they and what is it? And those are things that will make them really appealing. And it's okay to say, I, you know, a lot of people when they first got on LinkedIn would say, Mr. So-and-so or whatever. And it's like, oh, well, now we all know you wrote that. So just say who you are and <laughs> something that you enjoy. 
And then the last thing was just suggesting they get a couple of posts out there. At least four would show up when you're looking at someone's profile. So get four, but also don't be afraid of putting something personal out there. This was a workshop I put together last fall. Interestingly enough, I shared the fact that our Thanksgiving turkey I tried on the grill for the first time. I didn't know if it was really appropriate for LinkedIn. It's not Facebook, but what the heck? I put it out there and shared a major fail. The turkey ended up being on the grill for eight and a half hours or something. It, it wasn't done till 10 o'clock that night. The kids had already gone to bed and I was the only one eating turkey outside in the dark. It was fantastic. <laughs> but that's the thing that got the most social response that whole month. So be real. Is that part of my personal brand? That's probably questionable, but it is trying to be helpful and you know, share a tip. Any thoughts or questions here? I'll pause again. And, and I'm curious too, if, if y'all are teaching your leaders this, you know, is, is that part of a curriculum? We often start leadership development with self-awareness. Are we going so far as to say, how, how do you actually communicate your uniqueness? Looking over here too at the chat, see if there's anything. COVID-19 pandemic and 2020 changed everything in business and talent development. Almost overnight, companies were forced to figure out how to engage their employees remotely and run their development programs virtually. Luckily, Advantage Performance Group has been running a webinar series and releasing free resources throughout the last year and beyond. Advantage is a proud sponsor of the Talent Development Hot Seat. It's known for creating, learning, and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish. To join our webinar series and find more of our free resources, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. We don't do this for our leaders necessarily, but we do start to do this when people start to show interest in um, further career growth. We have two optional programs, one for individual contributors and then one for senior individual contributors. And that's where we really get into stuff like this. So they're kind of like pre-management. We don't really have anything. We have some executive presence stuff for leaders, but it, it doesn't quite look like this. Okay. But that's very interesting, Jessica. I mean, it, it really raises a whole other topic. Like, is it is it beneficial for the company? Is there an ROI to focus on personal development? And again, I would just argue, yes, yes, and yes. Look at engagement stats. Look at like the you know, those commitment to organizational stats, look at achievement, you know, in helping people achieve. Honestly, if your team helps your people get in better shape, sleep better, develop a better relationship with their significant others, all of that energy, all of that goodwill accrues back to the company. So that's a bit of a topic for another day, but just would really encourage people to take a risk, like step out there and say, yeah, let's help people actually do a little more of their best work with their best lives. Travis, I had uh, once created a program called Exactly Talent Magnet, and it's so similar to what you're doing, but less online and more in person. I used to work with an organization, Amdocs, which uh -huh. was trying to hire best college graduates in India. Back in India, it's a big competition to get into the A-list college. And managers were going out there making their presentation pitches in this college to fresh graduates. And what this company realizes they are not sharing stories they're just going and showing company presentations and not really sharing what they are as leaders what has been their journey with this company and the company and we developed this program which helped them create their stories and tell stories as leaders and be talent magnets really calling in people to say i've been here 20 years if you come here this is what 
is in store for you, how we help shape our, you know, new hires. And that was a really big success. Just in a few presentations, they were able to see more, you know, more college graduates applying, better quality of candidates coming in, better engagement. So this reminded me of that and it was really powerful. Wow. Bhakti, that's so cool. And, and really neat to hear that you actually used even that same term. Yeah, um, it, was, it was called Talent Magnets Program. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Let's talk a little bit about a couple of these other competencies and then happy to, as we finish, t- touch back on any of the topics that have come up. When it comes to talent marketing, realize it's, it's not hard to help people understand like what it is, but how to do it. And, and if you think, okay, we need to change a behavior or teach somebody a new ability, that's L&D. Marketing is most likely, love them, but they're most likely going to tell people what to do. They're not going to walk through how to do it, how to learn. So when it comes to the concept, I borrowed this directly from our marketing team. Telemarketing is just marketing. It's just creating a funnel. It's just instead of bringing strangers to become clients, it's strangers to become friends. And then among our friends, we find out, are we really aligned? If we are, we're becoming allies. And as allies, is it does it make more sense for you to work where you are or to work where we are? You know, should we work together? And especially with, you know, hybrid work that could be anywhere. So ultimately, if there's enough interest in the the opportunity to come here is a bigger career growth opportunity. Maybe you should become a candidate. But exact everything else is exactly the same. Even borrow the same recruiting funnel. You know, educate them on on this funnel, and also said, look, this is not just. Again, it's not just advertising our jobs. When we talk about the top of the funnel, the top talent is not just unaware that you're hiring, they're unaware that they need a different job because they're very satisfied. They're typically highly engaged in what they're doing. So the top of the funnel looks like actually challenging them with questions about, are they doing their best work and living their best lives? Are they having maximum impact on the world not just the financial statements. Once they become aware that they could have more impact on the world, that's the problem they need to solve. So we don't lead with, would you like to work at One Digital? We would lead with, are you achieving your potential? If there's any question about that, we start to lead down, what does it look like to achieve more of your potential? You know, go read Andy's book, go start really getting yourself in the driver's seat of becoming your you know, greatest ambassador and start impacting the world. And oh, by the way, if that means you're looking for a new job, well, there may be some things you wanna look at when you look at a job, you know, look at culture, look at values, look at what is the specific career opportunity, look at growth. What's the relationship like with your boss? Oh, did you know that those are things that we actually really focus on here? And so we call that leading to the solution, not leading with the solution, but it's really applying our core sales and marketing techniques to talent and then realizing you can get help. You don't have to do this whole thing. So maybe there's somebody in your office, somebody on your team who could help with creating some content for you. Maybe they, you know, they're helping to grow your network on LinkedIn and they're looking for top talent and they're going to put somebody on your calendar once a month. Ultimately, this was a big realization, I think, for our leaders, though, is to realize this is time consuming. This does require some of your attention and it requires it every month, all year long just like going out and and winning business is winning the talent war. This is the next piece is we actually talk about communication strategy and saying, okay, at the front end, you don't start out with saying, hey, we're hiring, you want a job? Top talent's not looking for that. If they're on LinkedIn, they're looking for something to help them be even more successful where they are. 
So start with something that's very general. You know, just ask, hey, I like to connect with people in our industry. That's it. You might go a little further and just say, I love sharing things with people in our industry. You could be more specific and personal. And this is where, you know, I know there are, there are people much more qualified to talk about how do you effectively connect with people on LinkedIn or other social media than I am, but you can personalize it. I'm not going to go through and read all these. It's really more for effect is to say, we have to be somewhat prescriptive and actually say, okay, then what? Well, then start sharing some content. Show that, you know, you're interested in helping people be successful, developing leaders, living their best life, you know, share things that are interesting. It's not going straight for the jugular. You want this job? I've got a rec open. And then once you actually get connected, is that's a process to begin by getting to know them, get acquainted, understand their interests, their values, their needs before you go to the job. If it leads to a career conversation, then start to talk about what's important. What's their current situation? How does your company recognize and grow high performers? You're really kind of interested. Are you one? And then it's finally at that point that they might actually convert into being interested. But again, so many of our leaders are just thinking, okay, post our jobs. And that is not effective. All right. When we talk about selecting top talent here, it's really just kind of teaching our methodology and recognizing most leaders have no formal training in interviewing, in talent profiles, in psychometric assessments, in any of this stuff around candidate experience. So we built a, a four-step process. We share that about half of the work is done before you ever sit down with a candidate. Get with your recruiter, develop a simple scorecard, create an interview guide, things that on the front end really help you get clear and also help the recruiter get clear on what are you looking for? And then it creates a great, much smoother, much faster candidate experience on the back end. But again, what we found was most people either had their own way of doing it, which we call voodoo hiring. It's like, oh, I have these two brain teasers and they tell me everything about someone. And so it's like, gosh, you're, we, we got to break down the bias. We've got to have some consistent best practices here. Actually help them understand rigor is a good thing. Rigor attracts top talent. If they see how easy it is to get into your company, they realize they're going to go and work with just anybody. And instead, you want to say, gosh, we love talent. We love it, love it, love it. But it's really hard to actually get, to get a job here. People will lean in. So that's, you know, I'm not going to go into this in too much, but we do have like a, a, a two-part program where we're taking all of our leaders through on talent selection. And then the final piece is just making sure that they have a development plan. And so we try to make this as simple as possible. Yes, we've got a a leadership competency model we're working on and some assessments and things, but really simply, we would just ask, what is one skill or one practice that would contribute most to you doing your best work or living your best life? What is something that you should probably be the best in the world at, or at least really, really good to be successful in your job? And just to identify one thing. And then if you've identified one thing, we ask that they wrap it in a little like paint by number approach. We say it's always one, two, three. If you need to gain a skill or learn something, find some content on it but make sure there's practice and reinforcement. So make sure that there's something you're doing with that and getting some reps in and then some sort of reinforcement activity with your team or your boss that will create accountability that will actually help you hone that skill and give you some feedback on it. So this is how kind of how really simple our development planning approach is, but we basically said, you've got to have one. So with that, let me Pause. I'll look back to the chat. And Andy, too, if you've seen anything in there that you want me to circle back to, happy to do that. I don't know if I saw any questions come up. Certainly lots of good comments and conversation. Anyone have a question they want to jump in with or reflection or share how your approach, how you approach One this? of the things that we did is hiring blitzes where we got several managers and several recruiters in the room at the same time. 
and then started looking at profiles on LinkedIn and just saying, and then you start saying, oh, I think I know that guy, I know that company, or I know this. And then we'd say, well, what's one connection you could have to them? And we had the luckiest one on the first one. First one we saw was they like to do volunteering. And we had at my last company, a big volunteering arm. So we just said, let's write him a LinkedIn message right now saying, hey, we're looking for people like you. And we also have a big CSR and just getting them to think differently of how they look at it. And yeah. another thing I want to get back to Jimmy's point about overconfidence. I think the social dynamic of power in talent is much higher now than it was before the pandemic. People don't, I think it's it's always going to be the company's going to have the power because they have the pay. <laughs> but I think talent really says, I'm, I'm super choosy now, right? I'm not going for the next possible job. So I think both of those need to be balanced. And I see Steve's hand up, so I don't know if I jumped on him or not. No, that's, that's great, Larry. And I appreciate that. One quick thought there is actually having some sort of course that people go through on talent selection has been a huge eye opener. And, and what we'll talk about, you know, what is voodoo hiring? What is heavy bias hiring? And when you look at, you know, analyzed hiring practices and you realize, wow, the way most people do it is messed up. It's not very effective. And then we do the cost of mishire. That's the other thing. Um, borrowing from, from top grading, we have every leader run through it, a um, mishire calculator and say, you know, the cost of bringing an average or just slightly below average performer is actually the most expensive hire you can make. I trust that you can spot somebody who is totally unqualified and would be an unmitigated disaster. If you didn't spot them in the selection process, you're probably going to spot that in the first 90 days. Their tenure is going to be short. The really costly hire is the one that you're going to lean into and lean into and lean into, and they're going to be there for multiple years they're going to drag down your team. They're potentially destroying your brand and your goodwill in the market. It could be driving away customers and other team members. And on average, that costs about 10 times their salary. And so rather than cost of hire and saying it's 30% of salary or 50 or 100, when we get to that 10x number and they get to it, they, they do the exercise, suddenly they're like, wow, I did not realize that this $100,000 hire is a million dollar decision how could I be better at it? And we do that in like the first 10 or 15 minutes because it's like, we've got to make a business case for we we have to get better at this. Yes. Okay. Steve, you got your question. Uh, I think you hand up first. Yeah. Well, thank you, Travis. This is so timely. I can't tell you how incredibly helpful this is. Great. Very grateful that you're sharing. I have an assumption I want to validate with you. I'm assuming that what you just uh, took us through was, you know, the how you brought leaders along and how you developed the skills for them to execute on that, on that strategy of let's really go after some top talent. I'm assuming a really key part to this is having that defined strategy and goal. Like I think you mentioned going after a hundred top talent. That was talent. a catalyst for us. So how important is it in your experience to have a, a defined objective around which you can wrap this kind of development. My, my intuition is that's super important, but I'd love if you could speak to that. Yeah, thanks, Steve. I, I think it's enormously important because this has to somehow break through the noise and the chaos and all the other things already on people's plates. Burnout is at record highs. People don't have room for one more thing. This has to become one of the things. This is probably going to have to displace some other things that right now are getting attention. And Therefore, you have to, I think, a really powerful, compelling why. One of the talks I've been doing internally and externally with clients is 
again, about this notion of the great resignation being such a big deal, when in fact, it's just like the opening salvo, salvo or whatever in, in the War for Talent. You know, the War for Talent was announced in 1999 as a result of McKinsey's work in the late 90s looking at demographic shifts. Back then, they did not even know that younger people were not only going to be in shorter supply, they were going to feel very differently about work. So over the last 25 years, not only do we have, you know, fewer people, but we have fewer people that care about <laughs> being dedicated to a company or, you know, there, there are lots of other reasons, whether we talked about gig economy or different things driving what it means to work. However, generally, people still want to do work that matters. They want to grow and achieve. They want to feel cared for as a person. So like a lot has changed, but some things haven't. And recognizing whether it's because of attrition or growth or compensation inflation, there is probably a compelling business case to be made in most companies that probably competes with other things and, and deserves that, that sort of front burner attention. Jess, how about you? And there's so, so many Jesses on the call. So hi. So I was thinking as you were talking, so my company, we just had about 220 employees are growing like crazy and are implementing all this new HR tech, including a new applicant tracking system and including one digital. Oh, excellent. So we'll have to talk about that later. I just signed our contract the other week. And, you know, there's so much focus on as we're rolling out these platforms that are there to support our people. There's so much focus on from the training aspect of like, great, we need to teach people how do you use the platform, right? How do you interact with the ATS, do a referral, track the people who are coming in. And there's so much focus right now on like the how do we get people to use these technologies correctly, which are the right questions to be asking. But then all the things that you're talking about of like, the, well, why are we using an ATS and how do we want to conduct our interviews and what training do we need to do? That's the kind of stuff I'm getting pushed back just from a pure time perspective. So how do I marry those two and make both of them happen? Because I think I'm not that I wasn't convinced before, but it's really just all of this has been really driving home of like, a, we can't just teach people to use how the how to use the applicant tracking system or one digital or whatever, but why are we using these platforms? How are we going to act? How are they going to benefit your team? Da, 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 right? Like yeah. it has to be both to really get the benefit of any platform. Yes. And, and it's, I think it's making a business case. I mean, I think it's, it's saying this is a bigger deal. So one of the models I put together last year was I, I said, what's it costing the average hundred person company in America every year to have suboptimal talent acquisition and ended up doing the math various ways and landed on a rough number conservatively of a million dollars. And I said, I really think it's two to 3 million, but for every hundred employees, poor talent acquisition practices are costing the company a million dollars. And some of that is opportunity cost, but that's what people don't think about. They don't see like, what would it be like if we actually had top talent company in, coming into the company versus average talent and having better than average employee engagement versus having average turnover. And when you factor in cost of mishire and a big part of cost of mishire is mm -hmm. opportunity costs, you start to get to multiples of salaries as opposed to counting, you know, like I'll, I'll start that conversation and people, I'll ask, what are the element, what are the costs associated with hiring somebody? And people will say job postings, drug testing, background checks. And I'm like, right. this is going to be fun. Okay. How about if I told you those are free? Do, have we solved the problem? And, and 
start to realize they're much bigger costs. Then we say, now, is cost of hire really the goal? If we could drive the cost of hire to zero, is that the talent acquisition methodology you want? Because we can, we could spend nothing. We just, we just literally go grab someone and ask them if they want a job. It's finding you're, you're looking for quality of hire. And so it's a little deeper conversation, but ultimately I think it started for us with like a big wake up call. It was like, this is a hundred million dollar opportunity. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. It's not how to use our ATS. We do need to get good at that. Right. It's a tool there to support the why you're using the tool, which is hiring good people. Yeah. I think even in a bigger, I think that you have to sell the talent strategy and what the approach is to the entire talent strategy. And then once that's bought in, in my mind, it's talent strategy, then technology equals transformation. Mm. So if you're just trying to push mm. a, a technology or the benefit of technology, it's a the steeper hill to climb. If you're coming down with a talent strategy, this is how we approach talent. And hiring is a huge part of that. And here's our reasons for it. And now we have this cool ATS. That's that's what my whole consultancy is about, is those three Ts. Nice, Larry. All right, Andy, you, you, I know we're in time. Should... We are at time. I see a lot of people running off. So, Travis, Good thank job, you so Travis. much. Great presentation. As always, you are like up on the latest. I remember when I first met you and interviewed you for the podcast, you were talking all about your campaign to get everybody in your company to connect to their purpose. And I'm like, wow, this is like some progressive stuff. And now he's on personal brand, personal branding. Sabina messaged me privately and suggested this could be a good activity for all of us to work on. Like what is our personal brand and our role and all of this. So I just earmarked that for our next, next open forum session next month. And maybe you and I can team up on that, which will be pretty fun. And hopefully Larry will be here and we get a lot of great voices for this. So yeah, thanks everybody for being here. Next Wednesday, we have Adam Piandis, who was on earlier, leading a session on trust and resilience in the workplace. Hope to see you all there. All right, that will do it for our conversation with Travis Dummert about how leaders can engage in attracting and retaining the best talent for your organizations. I hope that was beneficial for you, that you got value, that you took some notes. If so, make sure that you write those down, that you tell a friend, a colleague, put something into action, right? Take action on that today. What can you do to get your leaders involved in attracting and retaining talent as we still continue to go through this war for talent? Even though many say we might be in a recession here in the United States, unemployment's still at an all-time low. It's still hard to find great talent. And so we've got to keep the great talent that we have. And I believe Travis really laid out a couple of great tactics that you can use here. If you have questions, you can reach out to Travis. He's pretty active on LinkedIn. You can find him there, Travis Dommert, D-O-M-M-E-R-T. We'll put a link in the show notes. You can also reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk with you, introduce you to Travis, or talk to you about how we can teach your employees to own their careers and work with your leadership so that they are creating a great culture and they are doing the right things to retain the top talent inside your organization. Now, I wanted to talk to you again about the Talent Development Think Tank community. As I mentioned, Travis came to the conference that we held back in January 2020. We are starting to plan the next conference, by the way, targeting February of 2023. So keep that on your radar. I will be releasing more information soon. In the meantime, we still have the Talent Development Think Tank community that is running with a live call every Wednesday. We've got some great speakers lined up with various topics around talent development, including trust and resilience in the workplace, the different career paths in L&D, revamping performance management, professional development trends, discussing your personal brand, understanding motivation, elevating DEI, and especially black women in the workplace, how to win the war for talent, 
and so many other conversations that are coming up. I don't want you to miss them because it's not just like listening on the podcast, but it's actually getting a chance to get involved, to ask questions, to share your experience. That's what we're doing every Wednesday inside the Talent Development Think Tank. We also have a private Slack channel where we share questions and resources and support each other as well. So if you're not a member, would love for you to come check it out. Our website, again, is tdtt.us, as in Talent Development Think Tank, tdtt.us. And once we have the information locked and loaded for our next conference, should be on the same website as well. So go check it out, tdtt.us. All right, thank you again for listening. No bonus Q&A episode this week. So stay tuned. I will talk to you again next week. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.